This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So as the weather warms up, we're outside gardening or doing yard work. There are so many opportunities for skin issues, right? And for me, it's always a mystery to know what's going to irritate my skin, but I'm definitely out there itching and scratching. But the good news is active skin repair always seems to save the day. Active skin repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, making it suitable for use on all skin types, all parts of the body, and even on rosacea, eczema, and acne-prone skin. Here's what I want you to do. Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and get 20% off your order when you use code JOYFUL. Again, that's www.ActiveSkinRepair.com. Find out more about the product and get 20% off your order when you use the code JOYFUL. Welcome to Joyful Courage, a conscious parenting podcast, really a conscious humaning podcast, a place where we get real about the messiness of parenting and life. My name is Casey O'Rourke. I am a positive discipline trainer, a parent coach, a wife, and mom to two teenagers. I'm working every day to come from my most conscious and mindful self. In this age of quarantine and COVID-19, that can feel really hard. And inside of that, I'm also a mom holding the fort as our family navigates my husband's cancer diagnosis. So there's that too. And inside of all of it is my passion for bringing more lightness, connection, and love to my family and the world. I'm so glad that you've joined me here. Thanks for listening. If you find that you're loving the show, please know that we have amazing communities for parents on Facebook. Join us in the Live and Love with Joyful Courage group or the Joyful Courage for Parents of Teens group for support and community with like-minded parents walking this path with you. You can also find the Joyful Courage business pages on Facebook and Instagram and follow those too. And of course, all the Joyful Courage offerings, including my book, courses that I'm teaching and coaching can be found on my website, www.joyfulcourage.com. I hope you enjoy this week's show. Hi. Those of you that are new to the podcast, I want to give you a warm welcome. I'm so glad that you're here. As the longtime listeners know, this show is part informative and educational, part deeply personal, and always authentic. And I hope relatable. That's always my goal because people, we are on a collective journey. Yes, we are. And this week's solo show is going to be about just that. Some things that have come up lately with a couple of my coaching clients and yeah, just conversations that I'm having that I'm noticing out in the world and conversations that I'm having. We're holding this idea that there's a good way to parent and a bad way to parent. We're either good parents or we're bad parents. There's the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do. We're hashtag winning or hashtag mom failing, right? And these these labels have been bugging me lately. 
lately. I don't like them. They don't feel useful, right? And so I was recently writing an email to one of my clients noticing this language. And I said, how about we start talking about what's effective and what's ineffective, right? When we think about, because we all want to know what to do, right? That happens all the time. In all the conversations I have with parents, especially initially, they want to tell me about their kid's behavior and they want to know, what do I do to change this, right? How do I change their behavior? What do I do? What's the right thing to do? And there is so there are so many dynamics and layers and information that goes into how to respond to that question, right? Our kids aren't robots. They are, you know, complicated human beings, as are we. We have been... Um, We've been affected by our conditioning, our life experience, the relationships that we've had. To have the audacity for me to say, okay, here's three steps to make your kids stop lying, right? Would be like, that's just, you know, smoke and mirrors. That's not, that's not, there's no, there's no perfect answer to that, right? And so when we think about, okay, how can I be the most effective here? right? How can I try? And what was what I tried effective or what is was it ineffective? I feel like those two words take the judgment out of the conversation. It allows us to know, to be in this, to let go of being in this role where we should know exactly what to do. Do you ever have that? Like, well, I'm a mom or I'm a dad. I should know what to do. Like parenting isn't that complicated, right? <laughs> I should know what to do. I'm not going to take a class or read a book. I know what to do because I was parented. I mean, sorry, but for most of us, unless we had these amazingly stellar, conscious, mindful, self-evolved parents, it's not enough, right? And when we think about effective versus ineffective, it shifts us out of this idea that there is one right thing to do because It is all a grand experiment, my friends. It is. It's all a grand experiment. You know, even when I'm teaching parenting classes, which shout out to my new group of parents who are doing positive discipline with me through Zoom. They're so yummy. I'm so excited to get to know all of those parents we began last week. Um, But even when, you know, when I'm teaching positive discipline to parents, We positive discipline educators talk about, you know, we're going to build your toolbox, right? We're going to offer tools and strategies um, for supporting you in navigating this parenting journey. And the reason there isn't just one tool is because, like I said, kids are dynamic. Kids are different. Temperaments are different. We are all different, We're not all cut from the same thread. So having a whole bunch of different tools is going to support us in figuring out what's going to be the most effective thing that I can do in this moment, right? How can I be helpful right now? What is it that my child needs right now? And what I notice when I teach groups, right, whether it's live or online, um, I always encourage people to speak up. One of the first things that I say is we are co-creating value here and it's your responsibility to raise your hand and say, you know what, Casey, 
I don't really get what you're talking about here. Or I'm wondering what this is going to look like with my child. Or I'm not really buying it. Right? I'd much rather people speak up than to sit back and spend the entire time thinking about how wrong I am or how what positive discipline is won't fit into their life. And sometimes people speak up and sometimes they don't. And the good news is I can read energy, like even on Zoom calls, it's crazy. And so when I can feel that energy, even if it's not from the whole group, even if it's just from you know, one person or a handful of people, when I can feel that yeah, but energy show up, I speak up and I say, I wonder if you're feeling like this is a load of crap, or I'm wondering if you're feeling like, yeah, but this isn't going to work for my kids, right? And like I said, the common things that I hear from parents as they listen, especially if positive discipline and positive parenting is a new shift or drastically different than how we were raised, the common things that I hear from parents are, well, this isn't going to work for my kid. Like their kid is some special story with enough labels or enough diagnoses or enough fill in the blank that somehow this idea of being in relationship and teaching skills, which is what positive discipline is all about, won't work for that kid, right? Or I hear, and I've heard from parents talking about, well, I'm not you. Like I don't have the tools that you have. And like I'm some special story, which I am not. I'm very much the same as every single one of you doing the work to get through the day, feeling like I'm getting it wrong half the time and celebrating when I don't. So throwing out that argument of like, oh, you're not me. So somehow you can't do positive discipline. Or when I work with parents who have older kids, you know, there's this idea that, well, it's too late. The window is closed, right? Or there's this like ironclad grip on this idea, this archaic idea that kids have to pay for their bad behavior or they'll turn into spoiled brats. Hey, so I'm so excited. I want to share with you about one of our new sponsors, Starglow Media. They have this amazing show for all of you with younger kids called Mysteries About True Histories. Every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers and on adventures through time packed with puzzles and hidden equations, histories, and laughs. You all know Alana, our co-founder at Sproutable. She listened to the show with her seven-year-old and loved it. They would pause the show and try to figure out the math problems together, loved learning about different cultures and the histories around the world. The series explores themes like the stories behind math, critical thinking, code breaking, pattern solving, and so much more. Math is geared Math is what they call it. Math is geared towards kids six and over, but can be enjoyed by the entire family. Episodes drop every Thursday, and they're about 15 minutes. Perfect length for the car rides, mealtime, break time, bedtime. Each episode is stacked with so much laughter, and your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories math with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Thank God. Spring into summer is my favorite time of year. After turning 50 last September, I've been really working on my physical health and well-being and can honestly say that I am feeling better in my body than I have felt 
in a very long time. Yes, credit goes to movement and working out, but even more credit goes to how I'm feeding my body. That's why I love Factor. I fuel up with Factor's no prep, no mess meals, 35 different meal choices, and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. I always have a new flavor to explore. It's amazing. You can crush your wellness goals this May, keep time in the kitchen to a minimum, and enjoy effortless support for the lifestyle you want to be living with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust from Factor. Head over to factormeals.com slash joyful50 and use the code joyful50 to get 50% off your first First box plus 20% off your next month. That's code joyful50 at factormeals.com slash joyful50. Again, that's 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Yes, yes, yes. Join me. Join me in the health revolution and feel really good this summer. And that's what I'm going to focus on today in this solo show is this idea that when kids make mistakes, when they have meltdowns, when they get into mischief, the only way that they will learn that it's not okay for them to act like that is in some way create a punishment or a consequence so that they really, really know, right? It's big. Right. And guess what? None of us want spoiled kids. There's entire books about how to not raise entitled spoiled kids. And we adults, we parents, we want to feel respected. They need to respect us. They cannot be disrespectful. It's so interesting how many of us cling to this idea of Our kids have to be respectful and they have to respect us. Now, I'm not saying that that isn't a life skill that I wholeheartedly want my kids to learn to embody. Yes, of course, we want to raise respectful kids. But demanding this idea of respect, which a lot of times what respect means to us isn't even on our kids' radar, it gets in the way, right? And when... Kids, you know, when we bring the brain development in, because an eight-year-old does not have the same skills as a 38-year-old. They just don't. They don't have the brain development and they don't have the experiences that allow them to learn the skills that they need to navigate the emotional experience of being a human. So what happens is we're moving along. And our kids, whether they're eight or 14 or two or whatever, they have an emotional experience. They bump up against, they get slammed into disappointment or slammed into discomfort and they flip their lid. And that is really challenging for us because typically when they flip their lid, that's when they're at their worst behavior. So let's just do a little brain science review, right? And for those of you that have heard this before, I just invite you to think, Oh, great review. Maybe there's something new I can learn here. Okay. Um, Because I've talked about this. I've talked about this many times on the podcast, but it's really important. Brain in the palm of the hand. Thank you, Dan Siegel. Right. So if you, whatever you're doing right now, if you can, I want you to hold up your hand and make a fist and I want you to tuck your thumb into 
like into your palm and wrapped your wrap your fingers around your thumb. Now, if you're looking at your hand right now, this is the hand model of the brain. So your wrist is, and the bottom of your um, palm is your brainstem. The job of the brainstem is to keep us safe. And the tools of the brainstem are those survival tools, the survival instincts, freeze, fight, flight, or faint, right? That's another one. Or fawn, I think is the other word they use for that. So those are the tools we have in the brainstem. The thumb tucked in behind our fingers, that represents the limbic system. The limbic system is where we store all of our emotions. Trauma lives in the limbic system. The amygdala is there, which is our safety radar, right? How am I feeling? How am I feeling? That's what we're like really dialing into in our limbic system. And then we wrap our fingers around the thumb. This is the cortex. This is where all of our thinking happens. This is where our five senses come and give us information about how our body's feeling and and what we're experiencing in the world. And then our fingernails, right? Our fingernails represent the prefrontal cortex, which is the main switchboard of the brain. It's where all of our higher executive functioning lives. It's where we have communication skills, problem-solving skills, perspective, right? Control of the nervous system starts in the in the prefrontal cortex. Being able to have emotional regulation starts in the prefrontal cortex, right? Feeling remorse, prefrontal cortex, right? You know how long it takes. I know you do because you listen to the podcast. It takes us over 25 years to fully develop this brain. And it starts with the brainstem and slowly moves to the prefrontal cortex. So that part of the brain actually is the last part to be fully developed. Okay. And what happens is, you know, keeping that fist when things are going well, everything's functioning. We have access to our toolbox. We can handle some, you know, disappointment. We can course correct. We can find flexibility. But then when something bigger happens and we become triggered, right? Emotionally triggered, we hit the wall. We, now I want you to raise up all your fingers so that your thumb is exposed. We flip our lid, right? We lose all of those tools of the, of the cortex and the prefrontal cortex. And all we have is our limbic system and our brainstem. We have our emotional brain and we have our survival skills, right? And when we think about, when you think about the last time your kids lost it and had a huge meltdown, were they using their communication skills? Were they, were they you know, thinking about problem solving? No, they were irrational, illogical, emotional, fighting or fleeing or withdrawing, right? When we lose our prefrontal cortex and our cortex, when we flip our lid, we aren't consciously aware with the same kind of awareness when we're integrated of what we're doing or saying because the brainstem and the amygdala is in charge, right? And we know how this feels too as adults, right? When we've lost it, and I'm going to talk more about that, and we're super emotional, we say and do things that later we regret right? Yet, yet, when our kids flip their lids, we get really worked up about how they treat us. I get it. I live here too. I have teenagers that are normal teenagers and they flip their lids and they get nasty to me 
and they say things that are hurtful or disrespectful, which often invites me into flipping my lid. Because guess what? When I flip my lid, when I've totally lost it, I get nasty too. And we take everything too darn personally, right? When their behavior is not about us, their behavior is their level of emotional response to the world, to whatever's going down, coupled with the tools they have at their disposal in the moment, right? So those things come together. When we're flipped, we've pretty much lost the toolbox that is accessible when we're in our rational brain. So they, and maybe they're responding to us. Maybe they are responding to us. Maybe we've gotten mad at them about something or we've told them they have to get off their screens or whatever. We might have been the triggers and then they flip their lid. They're in this crazy emotional place. They've lost it and they're not treating us well. And then now we're mad at them for the way they're treating us, right? So I want you to just imagine this and this might sound familiar. Imagine you, you've had a really tough day. You've worked really hard in this quarantine to get all that needs to be done completed. You've cooked for everyone And perhaps you've taken care of paying some bills while pushing aside any worries that you have about money that is not coming in because maybe somebody's been laid off. Your kids maybe have been difficult, but you have kept it together. You have used your tools. You've managed the day. And then getting to be closer to bedtime, you notice your oldest not being super nice to your youngest. And that's it. That's what sends you over the edge. You completely lose it. You come completely unglued on your oldest. You slide into your flipped lid. You shame them. You blame them. You're probably using a lot of why do you always have to? Why do you never kind of language? And basically your emotions are running the show. All the emotions that you've been navigating all day long come up and out of your body and you're throwing them all at your child, right? I call this the emotional freight train. You've heard me call it that. The emotional freight train is pulled in, picked you up, and you are just in it for the ride, right? You know what I'm talking about. I know you do. After a little while, some time passes, you get yourself together, right? Maybe you realize that, gosh, you might not have known the whole story of what was happening with your kids, or maybe you did. But for sure, your oldest child did not need the wrath that you delivered. It wasn't kind, and it probably wasn't useful. You acknowledge your mistake and the way you treated that child right? You reconnect and work to repair the relationship. You might even do some reflecting on how you can set yourself up for success the next time you're caught up in this type of challenge. You work on your own practice of self-care and your own practice of learning more tools to stay peaceful and present even when it's hard to do. Do you think you need a punishment on top of it to do better for next time? Maybe a consequence so that you won't act like that later on? No, it would never occur to you as helpful to be punished for how you just treated your child. And yet, how often do we impose that on our kids? Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? 
My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. Most of us who get stuck here in this like respect conversation and they have to learn and they need to pay, most of us who get stuck in that have childhood stories of parents who ruled with an iron fist, parents who wouldn't tolerate backtalk, who wouldn't tolerate disrespect or sassiness. Maybe, you know, I remember my mom had a look, man, and she could just stop us in our tracks with that look. That modeling became ingrained into us. And now we are finding ourselves confronted by a child, perhaps, who is falling apart and it feels personal. Our experience in the present moment gets wrapped up in the childhood experience of having to follow the demands of our parents or else. And that unresolved hurt from that time Those unresolved hurts from that time are triggered and that's deeply painful. And we grasp for control, which looks like yelling, intimidating, and punishment. And I want to talk a little bit more about that because have you ever noticed that what triggers you, like what behaviors trigger you might be different than what behaviors trigger your friends or your siblings? Like the things that bother you might be behaviors that other people, it just rolls off their back. And that's because it's not the behavior that's triggering you. It's what it's bringing up from your past, right? And if this sounds familiar to you, or if you're like, hmm, I want to know more, please go see a therapist. (laughs) Please go see a therapist because this is going to keep coming up inside of your relationships with your kids until you get it healed. And if you don't want to pass on the same triggers that you have to your kids, then you've got to get it together. Free them from your issues by taking care of your issues. 
They are doing the best they can with the tools they have in the moment. I promise it's not about you. It's not about respect. It's about helping them be with the emotional experience that they're having in a way that's helpful and not hurtful. So what do you do? Right? What do you do? Well, you talk to your kids about how it feels to have a flipped lid. So if there is a specific example of them flipping their lids recently, you can say, oh, wow, it was rough this morning. Tell me about how you feel. Not tell me the story of the injustice or the experience you had that made you freak out. Talk to me about how your body felt when you were so angry this morning or so frustrated this morning or so sad this morning, right? Tell them about experiences that you've had. Maybe there's one that they remember when your lid is flipped. And really talk about and identifying, identify the feelings and the experiences that take you to that place of fall apart, of tantrum, right? And then together, brainstorm things that make you feel better when you're noticing your lid is flipped. Help them brainstorm things like when you do feel really mad or you do feel really sad, you don't stay there forever. So what helps? And then come up with a plan of action the next time that train shows up, the next time they're having a meltdown. And I don't mean like so that they don't have the meltdown. I mean, come up with a plan of action that they can take while they're having the meltdown that's gonna help them reintegrate their brain, that's gonna help them calm down, that helps them feel safe and secure. Because I promise you, When they are having a meltdown, when they're falling apart, they do not feel safe. They do not feel secure. And that is deeply unsettling, which is only fueling that out of control behavior, right? And then you got to practice the plan, right? Practice it. Let's pretend, right? Let's create something that's going to help you remember that this is what's useful. And then have compassion because this is really hard work. It's hard work for our kids to learn. It's hard work for us to learn, right? It's hard work for us to let it go when it's our kids that are having a hard time. It's hard work for us to be in our own practice of self-regulation. And it's definitely hard for our kids. So the other thing that we've got to get much better at is teaching modeling and practicing that repair piece and that reconnection, right? So when you're the one whose lid is flipped, when you're the one whose lid is flipped, you get to be the model of what it looks like to repair, right? You get to be the model of what it looks like to repair and reconnect. So circling back, where this is about being effective and helpful. This is not about being perfect. This isn't about being right. This isn't about being a good parent. This isn't about winning. This is about being effective and being helpful. Meltdowns are not a character flaw. They're an indication that something has happened that we or our kids don't have the tools to navigate in the moment. That's it. It's not about you. It's not about respect. So this week, when you have a meltdown, 
and are an asshole to your kids, (laughs) model what it looks like to own it, which could sound like I really lost it today and treated you bad. My emotions got the better of me. And then you make it right. Could sound like I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And uh, I'm going to pay more attention to when I'm getting close to flipping out. And I'm going to take care of myself when I feel that tightness in my body happening. And then bring it back to the message of love. I love you so much. You matter so much to me. I'm going to do better. And when they have a meltdown and are assholes to you, show a little grace. The uncertainty of the world is in our face right now. And they only have so much capacity for keeping it together, even in the best of times. Remember that it's not about you. Support them in calming down, right? And then later, have a conversation about the experience of the meltdown, guiding them to connect to themselves and to you, and ultimately giving them the tools they need to repair. I have a lot of podcasts that talk about this. Um, One that comes to mind is the show I did with um, Dan Siegel and Tina Bryson. They talk about the four S's, which I can't think of right now. Um, But I will put that interview in the show notes. Actually, you know what I'll do? I will look it up. Um, Episode... Yeah, episode 215. It's called The Power of Showing Up with Dan Siegel and Tina Bryson. It's from January 7th. I encourage you to listen to it. I encourage you to listen to it because it's really powerful and it's all about this. We have to show up for our kids, especially when they're having a hard time. Like that's the time for us to really kick it into gear. All right? Kick it into gear. Love you. We've got this. We've got this. All right. I really hope this was a powerful use of your time. Thank you again for being here with me. Big thanks to Chris Mann from Podshaper for making the show sound so good each and every week. If you loved this show, will you do me a favor? Will you take a screenshot and post it on your social media so that others can see what you're listening to and finding value in? Tag me too so I can celebrate your love. Or feel free to head over to iTunes and leave a review. This helps others find me and follow the show. Thank you. And as you head into the rest of your day, remember, find your breath. Follow it into your body. Lift up and out to the balcony seat for a broader perspective. And know that everything is going to be okay. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next week. Hi. 
Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts.